You're probably trying to figure out what's going on. This year, we're going to be going through the book of Daniel, the book of Daniel. And so what you guys saw is the very, very beginning, essentially, creatively, the book of Daniel. Israel gets captured by the Babylonians and this boat, the HS Royale, the Omnians as we call them. And you'll, you guys are going to see a series of videos throughout the week. Each night we're going to show these videos. And tonight what you saw, the opener, helps kick that off. And so this boat represents the nation of Israel and the trashers that came from the back that were singing the tide, the tide. They represent Babylon. And tomorrow... Brian's going to kind of unpack what it means and why that's significant and why, why Israel is going through this. And so we're going to go through some context throughout the week, and you'll learn more and more. But the three main characters, you guys saw Darlene was up here. She was dressed. She had a, she had a survival guide in her hand. And then you had Judith, who was trying to steer the boat. Darlene represents Daniel. She is Daniel. She represents the conviction and, and the resolve that Daniel had. And so throughout the videos, you'll see she'll stand firm and she won't assimilate to the trasher culture. And then you've got Judith who represents kind of the nation of Israel and their attitudes. And tomorrow you'll learn the reason why the boat, the reason why Israel gets captured is because they try to do things their own way. And how often do we Try to do things our own way. And because of that, it leads us straight into trouble, straight into de destruction. It leads us away from the Lord, all that is good and precious. And so you'll see that kind of happen throughout the week as well. And then Sherman, my character, represents Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Darlene and Sherman have the opportunity, as they're surrounded by this trasher culture, <clears throat> this culture that worships the tide because it brings them everything they want. They love trash. They worship the trash. They build trash statues. They eat the trash. They wear the trash. Everything about their culture revolves around the tide and the fact that it brings them trash. So Darlene, Judith, and Sherman will be tested. They're going to be surrounded by this culture, and they'll be given a choice to either go along with the culture that they're surrounded by or to stand firm in the midst of it. And maybe you're in a similar situation. Maybe you're in this room and you know how hard it is actually to live for the Lord in today's world. You know all the pressures that come with this society, this culture, this world, and you're just trying to figure out, and am I really a believer? Do I actually believe these things? Or do I just come up to Hume Lake once a year, or I go to my youth group once a week, and I just, I learn about these things, but I'm not actually sure if I believe. Or maybe you're in the boat where you're one foot in, one foot out. Maybe you like some of the things that Jesus says, but you don't actually agree with a lot of what the Bible says. I'm glad that you're here. And maybe you want nothing to do with God, and you're in this place just to have fun, and you want to have a fun week. And I'm telling you, it's going to be a fun week. It's going to be an awesome week. But there's nothing that could be more important than what we're going to be talking about in this chapel tonight. And so if you're in that boat, I'd ask that you would lean in this week. That it wouldn't just be something in which you tune out where it goes in one ear and out the other. And there's going to be a lot of things that are maybe said on this stage, maybe Brian will bring up, that you might disagree with, that might offend you. And that's okay. Part of it. And the reality and the truth of the matter is the fact that we actually, this isn't our opinion. 
Hume is not sharing its opinions. We live in a world of opinions. <laughs> so many opinions out there. We're not just adding another one to you. We believe wholeheartedly that the Bible is the truth. How many of you guys were here last year for Truth Be Told? Come on, that's awesome. Truth be told, we went through the book of John and we talked about the fact that Jesus Christ himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He made an exclusive claim. He says, if you put your trust in me, you are saying that I am the truth, the way, and the life, that no one else gets to the Father except through me. You are putting your faith in me and there is not another way to get to heaven. There's not another way to understand truth. There's not another way to be with the Father. And a lot of you, I remember having conversations with you last year, a lot of you agree with that. A lot of you probably in your mind, you're like, I, I understand this. I've come to Hume many times. I've been a part of the church. I grew up in the church. I understand what it means to say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But Mikey, it feels impossible to live for the Lord in today's culture. It just feels impossible. It just feels like surrounded by so much temptation and maybe you're up here, and this is just another cycle, where you come up to Hume, you walk in these doors, you have an amazing week at camp, you're away from your phone, you're away from maybe a relationship, maybe you're away from your normal group of friends, and you're up here in the mountains, you're surrounded by God's creation, and you're opening God's word, and you're singing these worship songs, and you're like, man, what did I do this last year? What was I doing? What, was my life actually with the Lord, was I walking with him or was I just doing my own thing? And maybe this is a chance for you to actually change that, to live for him with conviction and resolve to say, I believe this beyond the shadow of the doubt. I know what the Bible says is true. We're gonna be asking you guys one main question this week, one question only. And throughout the week, we hope that this is the thread that you would understand. And that question is, how can you be a resilient believer in a world that is increasingly hostile toward Christianity? How can you, and if you guys have your notebooks, go ahead and write it down. If, how can you be a resilient believer in a world and in a culture that is increasingly hostile toward Christianity? I'll give you guys a second to, to, to bring those things out, but that's the question that we're going to be asking you, and I'll, I'll repeat it again near the end of the message, but here's the truth. When we were coming up with this message, when we were talking about what are we going to go through, how are we going to creatively show, are we going to be doing a sailor, pirates, whatever it might be, before we talked about any of those things, what did we want to talk about spiritually? What did we want you guys to understand about the Bible? How do we want you to be changed? And so as we were doing this, we, we did some research. We read this article, and basically the crux, the thrust of this article was saying that we live in a digital Babylon. We live in a digital Babylon. And maybe you don't really understand what that means right now, or maybe you do. And we by just saying Babylon, you recognize, maybe you're living, you, you see the world around you and you can see, man, we are living in a Babylon. If you guys don't know what Babylon is, we talked about it just a second ago, but the fact that Israelites in the book of Daniel, they took over, or not the Israelites, the Babylonians took over the Israelites. And so everything that the Israelites knew was, at, was just washed away and they were surrounded, and they were surrounded by a culture that not only did, didn't believe, not only 
refused to believe in their God, Yahweh, but was hostile towards it and began to educate them in the way of the Chaldeans, which basically says, you are going to serve our gods, you are going to believe what we believe, you are going to live how we ask you to live. A digital Babylon, do you feel like you're living in that world today? And throughout the week, we're, we're gonna go through some intense things and you're gonna see people being threatened to be thrown into a furnace. And you're gonna see Daniel who's threatened and his life is on the line when he's placed inside a lion's den. And many of you probably are gonna be asking the question, how does this have to do, what does this have to do with me? Why is this significant for me? We're reading this 2,600 years later. Why does it matter? What is so great about Daniel's life? Why is it important? Well, if we wanna know what it means to be a resilient believer. And you just need to look at the book of Daniel. You need to look at Daniel's life. You don't know what someone believes until you see how they live. And you know this. What do you believe? Well, you might say something, but I'm more likely to know what you believe by looking at the way that you live. So how do you live? Do you live for yourself? Do you live for pleasure? Do you live for success, money? Are you living for trying to get into the best college so that you can get the best job, so that you can get the best salary, so that you can get the best house, the best cars, the best life? Or are you living for the king? Which king do you serve? And Daniel was a resilient believer because he knew his God, he knew who he served. And so the definition, resilience, when we talk about resilience, what does that mean? What does that word mean, resilience? Well, the dictionary defines it as this, as being able to withstand or recover quickly from difficult conditions. From difficult conditions. Resilience, resilience. What does it mean to have resilience? So we're going to be asking you, how can you be able to withstand or recover from difficult situations as a believer? Nothing that we promise up here is going to say that the moment you become a Christian, the moment you place your faith in Jesus Christ, all of a sudden your life is just perfect. In fact, quite the opposite. Many times, those that follow the Lord experience difficulty. They experience troubles they experience trials the testing of their faith so we're going to talk about that this week and we're going to unpack what it means and as we look at daniel's life you'll be able to see that another point that this article made that we were reading when we were coming up with this theme was not just that it was a digital babylon that we're living in but 65 to 75 percent of young students that are in high school that are attending their churches that are attending youth group that are a part of some sort of Christian community or some sort of church by the time they get college 65 to 75% of them stop coming to church and then quickly thereafter many of them begin to believe other things and they begin to denounce their faith and live completely different lives 65 to 75% that's a majority of this room and so the question that we're going to be asking is not necessarily what went wrong. Like, how does that happen? How does a majority of this room, by the time college hits, they just completely lose interest in the gospel. They lose interest in the Bible. They lose interest altogether in the idea and the concept of God. 
It's not what went wrong. We're going to be studying, what about that 25%? What about those, the remnant, as they would call, the people that remained, the people that stood firm? What was the common denominator? What did they have? So we're going to be looking at what those believers have in common this week. Maybe you're already feeling the pressures of this world. You know the moment on Saturday. I don't know, we're already talking about Saturday. It's Sunday. But you know the moment you go down the hill, there is something that's going to be waiting for you, some sort of temptation, something that's going to be calling your name, and you'll have the option and the choice to either give in or, or not. So I'd ask that you would consider that this week. Many of you, again, feel that it's impossible to live for the Lord in today's culture. And I remember having conversations with you last year about it. And if there's anything that we can get from the book of Daniel, it's that it is possible. That it is possible. Daniel, surrounded by Babylon, everything about his world changed. He got new names. He got a new education. They started to educate him in, in this completely different way. Think about this. Daniel and his friends, Daniel and Mishael, Azariah, and Hananiah, all of them had these Hebrew names. And their Hebrew names were not just like Jessica or it wasn't just like Adam. Their Hebrew names, well, Adam's actually a Hebrew name. I should pick another example. But their Hebrew names had meaning behind them. In fact, their Hebrew names that they were given were actually attributes of God. Like Daniel, Daniel's name means God is my judge. God is my judge. Yahweh is my judge. And so their names were linked to the God that they worshiped. And when they went into Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar and the royal court decided to give them new names. And what are these names? Belteshazzar, which means wife of the dragon, which means the dragon is Baal, wife of Bel, Baal. These foreign gods completely different culture. In fact, it could feel like if you were given a new name that your entire identity changed. But what did Daniel do? He said, okay, you can give me that name, but I know what I believe. Do you know what you believe? So we're going to look really quick before you guys are out of here. We're going to look at the four characteristics. What are the four things this week? What are the four characteristics of a resilient believer? of someone who can stand in the fire, someone who can stand resolved when they need to, when there is a decision to be made or when you're feeling the pressure of this world closing around you. What are the four things? The first thing is this, resilient believers fear God and not man. The book of Proverbs says, Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Daniel feared the Lord. And because of his fear of the Lord, he didn't fear man. He didn't fear anything else. And when I say fear, maybe he was afraid when he was placed in the lion's den. You'll learn about this in a second. But maybe he was afraid. Maybe he was surrounded by things that frightened him. But all the while, he remained steadfast. And that was because he feared the Lord. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? A lot of times this gets misunderstood as literally being scared, like God is going to strike you down so you're just running away from him. But that's not actually what that word means. In Hebrew, it actually is more related to the word awe and reverence. Do you have an awe and reverence like Daniel did for God? 
Or are you your own God? Do you get to decide what you believe, what you think is right, what your friends believe? Or do you submit yourself before God and you recognize the fear of the Lord is just saying, God is God and I am not. Daniel had the fear of the Lord. This is an amazing quote. Oswald Chambers says, the remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord. Do you fear him? Do you have reverence and awe for God? I love the, the, the book of Isaiah. It talks about this. Chapter six, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe, fill, robe filled the temple and around him were seraphim singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. Isaiah sees this vision of the Lord. He's a Hebrew prophet. Prophet is just someone who's, who, who hears from God and then declares it to his people. That's all a prophet is. But he sees this vision and what is his response? He falls to his knees he falls on his face in awe and reverence and he says, woe is me. When he is confronted with the fact that God is holy, he recognizes in himself sinfulness. The things that he does in his mind and in his heart that are sinful before the Lord. And what is his response? God asks, whom shall go for us? Whom shall I send? Essentially, who will bring this message to the Jewish people? And what does Isaiah say? He says, here I am, Lord, send me. And so if you fear the Lord, it's not just an understanding. It's not just saying, yeah, yeah, I understand, I fear the Lord. I, I, I recognize that he is God, that I'm not. I recognize I have awe for him. But you wouldn't actually fear the Lord. You would actually fear the Lord if you did something. If you actually, if that brought you to action. And so you can know all these things about God, but if it's not gonna provoke you to actually do something, to live for him, then what does it mean? What does it mean? Fear of the Lord. The second thing, resilient believers trust the living God. When you fear the Lord, you also trust him. Think about when you were young and your dad was maybe walking you down the street. Your dad is a lot stronger than you, especially when you were young. Dad strength, right? We talk about this. And the fact that when you were young, you were holding your dad's hand, maybe you're walking down the street, you recognize that your dad is strong, that he is able to do you harm, but he doesn't. He protects you. And so if you have that right understanding that God, God is holy, God is just, God is completely other than me, then there is a deep, deep confidence that you get to walk in a trust in him. When the world is falling apart, you can have a trust in God. In the book of Proverbs, again, Proverbs 28, 26, whoever trusts his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Do you trust your own mind? Do you trust the people around you? Are you quick to run to your phone in times of crisis? The worst thing that we probably could do is run to our phones when we're experiencing anxiety, when we're experiencing the troubles of life, when you recognize, man, the world around me is falling apart, my family is arguing, my parents are getting divorced, I've lost someone that I love, my friends are, are abandoning me. What do you do in those moments? Do you trust in your own mind, your own way? Do you trust in your friends to tell you the right advice? Or do you trust in God? What are you quick to run to? 
the average American student, the average American teenager spends seven hours a day on their phone. Seven hours a day. If you spent seven hours a day studying Spanish, you would be fluent in one day, or maybe two days. I don't know how long. However long. Depends on what kind of student you are. AP students, where are you at? No, I'm just kidding. Hey, it would... The, the, the truth of the matter is that you guys are professionals in what's happening on social media. If you spent seven hours a day doing anything, you would be an absolute unit at that thing. And so you gotta think about the fact that you're spending seven hours a day on your phone. What is that doing to your mind? When you're struggling with something, are you prone to just go and scroll because you wanna forget about whatever's happening? Guys, I want us to be quick to our Bibles in times of crisis. Quick to prayer, quick to to running after the Lord, not quick to our phones. That stuff kills us. You wonder why you're anxious, why you feel restless, why even when you're on your bed at night you can't fall asleep and you keep scrolling mindlessly. It's because the world knows what you want. And it's giving you exactly what you want. And it's that thing that you want is what's killing you. We're never bored, so we're always bored. We're constantly stimulating our minds, constantly reading things, constantly intaking all this information, and it's doing something in our brain. And then then we're just depleted, and then we just feel the same for... However long we feel numb, we feel like life's just happening to us and we're not actually taking life on. Guys, you have an opportunity this week to just put your phone away completely and to read God's word. I can't think of anything better for you to do than be here this week in the world that you live in. Do you trust him when things are falling apart? Daniel talks about the fact that God is the ancient of days. It means he's the same yesterday, today, forever. And you might be inclined to doubt God, whether or not he's actually listening to you. Maybe you've thrown up a few prayers in your room and you feel like they just bounce off the ceiling. Maybe you feel like God is far away from you. Maybe you feel distant from him. But the truth is, is that those that know him know that he's not far away. Those that know him know that he is hearing our prayers, know that he's with us. And so if you're inclined to doubt, maybe... Mike, you have no idea what I'm going through. Don't act like you know. You're going to read about Daniel, who loses everything. And he has three friends. That's all he has. He's surrounded by people that shove their opinions and their beliefs in his face. And what does he do? He stands firm. He knows what he believes. But he trusts his God. Do you trust him? Or when things like the crisis that you're going through happen, are you quick to just forget about it? Run away, find something, find some pleasure, find some, some, some sort of some quick fix. I pray and hope that God would transform you this week. Third thing, resilient believers have biblical convictions. What is a conviction? What does it mean to have a conviction? You guys have a lot of opinions. And I would say a lot of you also have a lot of convictions. You're convinced that your favorite sports team is the best sports team. You're convinced 
that, yeah, the Lakers are the best team, which I would agree with you, except for this last year. But maybe you're convinced that, uh, that the Dodgers are the best baseball team. Amen to that as well. Maybe you're convinced of... Uh, Maybe you're convinced of a lot of things. Maybe there's tons of things that you're convinced about. You have these convictions, these opinions. But the truth is, is that you guys, in all the opinions you have, how many of you would say you have convictions about the things that truly matter? Things of the Bible. How many of you are convinced of what the Bible says is true? How many of you are convinced that one day you will stand before God and you will live with him forever? How many of you have these convictions? Many times when we come to God's word, we know nothing about it. We sing these songs in church, but we don't know the God that we're singing to. We, we walk around and say that we're Christian because Jesus is in our Instagram bio. But the truth is, is that we're actually, we're not following him. We don't actually know what the Bible says. We don't know what we're, know what we're singing when we're singing these songs. We don't know who he is. And I'm telling you that the world doesn't know what it believes. I studied philosophy at UCLA. And while I was there, how many of you guys, counselors, have taken a philosophy course? How many of you guys, that was your only philosophy course that you took? Amen, yeah, probably. Anyway, I studied philosophy, so I took a lot more than just one class. And it's funny that I, I studied that because, you know, much of what I believe, in, in fact, 99% of what I believe is completely different than what was being talked about at this university. But what I found so interesting is that so many people knew what they didn't believe. So many people are like, yeah, I don't believe that, I don't believe that, I don't believe that. Yeah, I think Christians are bigoted, or I don't believe this about the world, and I don't believe this about politics, and all these different things. They pick and choose what they don't believe, but when you ask them what they actually believed, they couldn't really give you an answer. The world doesn't know what it believes. And in fact, it's just trained to think a certain way. It's just like the status quo, whatever's happening in the world, what the majority does, yeah, that's true, I believe that. And so when I would have these conversations, maybe with an agnostic or an atheist, many a times they would just say, yeah, I don't, I don't believe this. And I ask them, what do you believe? Many of them are like, I, I don't really know, but I'm, I'm looking. Guys, if you knew what you believed and you stood by it, that's rare in today's world to know these things and to be convinced of them. So my prayer is that you guys would be people that would do that. Last thing, last thing. Resilient believers are not alone. You are not alone. You might feel like you're alone in the world that you're in. You might feel like you're alone in your sports teams when you're surrounded by people that don't believe the things that you believe. You might feel alone in your families. Your parents aren't believers or maybe your friends aren't believers or maybe whatever the situation that you find yourself in, resilience and being resilient believers means you're not alone, means you surround yourself with people that believe the same thing that you do. If you want a good picture of resilience, Daniel chapter three, Daniel chapter three, and we'll close with this tonight. I'm just gonna read this short passage. If you guys have your Bibles, go ahead, open up to Daniel chapter three. And if you don't have your Bible, after this, please go to the back 
pick one up. We'll have Bibles there for you guys. We'll hand them out to you. But if you have your Bible, open to Daniel chapter 3. If you don't know where the book of Daniel is, flip to the middle and just keep flipping right. And it's after Ezekiel. You'll find the book of Daniel. And we're going to be in chapter 3, verse 14. And we'll end here tonight. But here's the truth. The reason why we're going through Daniel is to talk about resilience. Again, what does it mean to be resilient? And so if there's a good picture of resilience, it's this. Daniel chapter three, verse 14, here's what it says. Then Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now if you are ready... When you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. I love this part. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Could you imagine that? For what you believe, not bowing down to this idol, Nebuchadnezzar's telling them, you need to bow down to this idol, and they say no. Because if I were to do that, it would be committing treason against my God. They probably, maybe in that moment, you're inclined to think, well, God knows my heart. I can bow down to this idol. He knows what I really believe. No. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, I'm not even going to bow. I'm not going to bow. This is not what God has called me to do. I worship Yahweh and Yahweh alone. To him I bow, no one else. But I think it's amazing that there's three of them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they weren't alone. They had friends that believed the same thing. And I always wonder if one of them didn't bow, what would happen? Would, would his other friends, would, would Shadrach, if he saw Meshach bow, would he be like, I guess I'm gonna bow? And then the third person would be quick to follow. Do you have friends like that? That in the face of crisis, when tempted with things that the world has to offer, when you're handed something or when you are tempted to go to a party or when you're tempted to do these specific things, do you have friends that will stand with you in the fire? And I'll say, you know what? Nah, there's a better way. We're gonna learn more about that this week. What is that better way? Do you have friends like that? They can call you out. That you can share Bible verses with that you can encourage. I am a product of the friends that I had in high school. I would not be standing here if it weren't for my friends. And maybe, I mean, your guys' friends are the most influential people in your life. They're more influential than your youth pastors, than your counselors, than your parents. Your friends are influential. And so who you spend a bulk of your time with matters. And so I'm not asking you to shun those that don't believe. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to love them, but I'm also asking you to consider who do you spend time with because you know that group of friends that the moment you walk in the door, they're gonna tempt you with something. Or the moment you, you hang out with them, they're gonna say, hey, let's go here, let's go here. 
What kind of friends do you have? Because if you have friends that love the Lord, I'm telling you, it'll shape you, it'll mold you. And it doesn't mean that you're gonna be perfect. I wasn't. My friends weren't perfect. But it's because of my friends in high school that I actually know him and I'm friends with them to this day. Who do you surround yourself with? It's an important question. Again, Brian Howard is gonna be your speaker and I'm excited for him to open up God's word this week. And so much of what you are gonna hear through the book of Daniel, he's gonna go through it and I hope that you lean in this week. Again, if you're tempted to be like, nah, this isn't for me. Or maybe you're tempted to think, I saw the Veggie Tales when I was young. I know what the book of Daniel's about. The chocolate bunny. <laughs> maybe, you're te- maybe you understood, you, you grew up knowing what the book of Daniel talks about. I'd ask that you wouldn't make any of those assumptions this week, that you would actually come in eager to learn and to open up God's word and to know what the Bible says. So can we do that this week? Awesome. I'm going to pray for us, and then Sarah's going to make a couple of announcements, and then you guys are out of here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for this evening. Lord, we are in a noisy culture. So much noise, so, much, so many opinions, so much stuff to do and to waste our time. So many temptations, so much heartache, so much anxiety, so much depression, so much hopelessness, so much sin. And so in this world that seems to be in crisis, what do we do? Who do we look to? And God, as we study the book of Daniel, we see that Daniel, when he was surrounded by those things, he looked to you. He wasn't trying to find himself. He wasn't trying to find his identity. He, was, he knew who he was. He knew he was a servant of you. And so God, for these students, I just pray that you would give them hope in a world that seems has no hope. And God, for those that are deep in sin, God, I pray that this week they would come to know who you are, and as a result, they would recognize who they are before a holy God and that they would surrender their lives to you. And for those, Lord, that maybe feel far from you and maybe are completely uninterested in what you have to say or what the Bible has to say, God, I pray that you would soften their heart and their mind God, that you would woo them with your kindness. And that as we study your word, God, that not only would they feel conviction, but they would know this is life worth living. There's nothing greater than living a life for you. I pray that you keep us attentive. I pray that you would give us energy. I pray that we would have fun this week. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.